crumble. <laughs> Probably you want? crumble. I could see crumbling. Like that games me after a while. Oh uh, like, yeah. Like it has a limit. Okay, so somebody just asked, Karen just asked, if I've ever done a reading for Trump. Um, and I've thought about it many, many times, but I had never done one. Um, so why not now? There's <laughs> 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 people turning around in their seats now. Okay. Um, and I always wondered why I hadn't done one, but I know why. It's because it's so easy with him to, to be sure you have it all figured out. No matter which side you're on, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but there's so many more layers. There's a lot of layers to that guy. Okay, so let's do this. I'm gonna. <coughs> okay. It's here in the suit. There's a sense that I'm letting him speak at his uh, sub one, okay? There's a sensitivity to me that I was never allowed to show as a child. Um, so I'm extremely sensitive. And those of you that, that know walls are built to protect something, I'm protecting my sensitivity. Um, my feelings get hurt extremely easily. That will not be news to any of this group. Um, but there's a constant sense of needing to protect myself from a sense of an enemy that will not appreciate me, that will not understand me, and that will not like me. Um, I love to be liked, and it, it isn't because I need to be liked, though. It's because I know I'm a likable guy, and I know that there are aspects to me that are uh, completely unlikable. So for those that know me and like me anyway, <laughs> they, I, there's a loyalty that I will have to them forever, um, like an army general or something like that. There's a sense of somebody has my back in a world where I feel like I've, I take arrows all the time. Um, so that's kind of the, uh, the sort of emotional side to, to how I know my Donald, if you will. Okay extremely ambitious, always trying to prove myself, um, definitely related to issues with my father and my mother. Um, there, it felt impossible to please them. My dad felt like a god in my, in my life. Um, and then especially when we lost my brother, there was another sense of trying to then be worthy of the name that I felt was a legacy for, for two boys not just myself. Um, there was definitely, and still is a side to me that 
that loves to be poked because I feel like I get a better version out of myself. So without an enemy, I'm not as good as I can be. So there is a subconscious need for an enemy. So I sort of like building enemies along the way because I like to have something to push against um, that feels personal to me. So that they, the, the hate or whatever, the enemy sensation has to be personal about me. Um, so to me, it's, I don't look at it as a distraction. I don't know what I would do without an enemy. I don't know what I would be or who I would be without a sense of what I'm not. Um, I am definitely mischaracterized. I am definitely misread. And in some cases, as my Donald, um, I, I feel oddly confident in making decisions with extremely limited information. The vast majority of my decision making is based on gut, people I trust, whether I should trust them or not, their recommendations, and it's extremely limited amount of information. This has worked well in business where nobody was voting on me in or out, where I ran the entire ship. Um, I'm horrible at working for other people. And I sort of refuse to believe even as the president of the United States that I work for the citizens. I, I don't look at it that way. Um, I look at it as I've been put in charge and I can do what I want. So I love to have people around me that tell me how I can get done what I want to do. And I, I tend to get rid of people that tell me I can't do what I want to do. Um, and the people that see that are the people that hate me for probably the best reasons ever. <laughs> um, but on another side of things... I don't respect, I never feel like the laws apply to me. I've never, I've always felt like a, a legal issue in real estate or a legal issue related to politics is just something uh, that I, that I, there's a fence that I can cut a hole through and wiggle my way around. That's my nature. Um, so I look at that as a problem solver. I don't look, I'm not trying to do any harm to anybody. And I mean, another way that the American public could look at me is that you have the best leader you could ever have as long as you agree with what I want to do <laughs> um, because I don't I don't want to compromise I I want to make deals I want to make deals for what I see as the betterment of the of the American citizenry um, and that's misunderstood but yeah if somebody if somebody doesn't value jobs and doesn't value long-term jobs, not government jobs, then they're never going to appreciate who and what I am and what I do. Um, I mean, I have, the reason I classified myself as a Democrat is because of my sensitivity, because of my compassion. And then the reason I knew I would never win as a Democrat is because I'm too much of a capitalist for most Democrats right now. So I ran as a Republican because I, I am a strong capitalist and I do believe business deals are a way for world peace. And I believe all the globalism that was done were really horrible deals where it wasn't even a win-win, it was a lose-lose. And that's why we didn't get the world peace that we thought we were going to get. Okay, let me get to this next part here. This... Uh, 12 year old 
selfishness, uh, I, the temper side of me is always there. Um, I want people's loyalty to me, but I don't really value my loyalty to them. As long as they agree with me, I'm loyal to them. I'm loyal to the agreement that we have at that time, but I'm not loyal to people per se. Um, I will do anything to protect my family. So I, I guess I am loyal to that. I'm trying to think of something new. What do you, what do you guys want to ask him? Because so far I'm not surprised by anything he's saying. Sometimes if you um, as a form of catalyzator. As a form of patron saint? Not catalyzator. Oh, catalyzer. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I see your point, and I can see where it, it would be called a catalyzer, but that, that's not why I look at what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get things moving. I've, you know, I've, I've, done, I've been an international business person for so long, and I know how uh, silly the red tape is to get deals done in the U.S., and how um, slick and savvy and relationship-based you need to be and know the right people. Um, and say the right things and flattery and all of those things and it's uh, I'm not I'm not easily swayed by flattery but most people are um, so I don't you know Jill sees occasional things about you know Q and uh, that I'm some undercover like angel or something like that I don't I don't have that much depth to me um, so it, it's not that I don't have access to it I just don't go there um, so I'm much more surface than I think some people give me credit. Um, so I act from a very thin layer of what I want. And it, it could be looked at it as, oh, that would be great for humanity. So I can see where a group like this sometimes give me, gives me more credit than I deserve. Um, because there are some things that, well, there's a lot of things that aren't working well. And I, if, if we were all to sit down and, and well, aren't we now? <laughs> Um, talk about what we don't like about the world. We probably have a lot of agreements. Um, how we fix it, though, I am I am always a bigger fan of what in what is in the way of the government. Get it out of the way and let private businesses and private industry and, and personal motives and interests um, let that happen. Versus, he's, I don't trust the government to do it in a way that's a that's a fair use of tax dollars. And as somebody that that, uh, you know, is constantly trying to minimize the taxes I pay. Um, I, I don't trust the government with money in general. Um, so I think that makes a great leader, but I'm, I'm definitely not appreciated for that. And that's okay. I feel underappreciated and under, Underrecognized for for the good stuff that I do, and I feel falsely persecuted all the time, and it drives me crazy. But like I said, it it bring it. I feel it actually brings out the best in me. But I will. I know I'll be disappointed because there's a part of me waiting for the world to say, "See, he was good. We were wrong." And I'm now seeing more and more that there's nothing I can do that's right in a huge portion of the population that I I part of me wants their credit. What questions do you guys have for him? I have a question. What yeah. about the hate that's stirring up in the country and that he seems to be harnessing and um, 
Yeah, I don't. I have women on my cabinet. I have blacks on my cabinet. I have said stupid, thoughtless, immature things to people because I thought it was what they wanted to hear for me to impress them, relate to them, be friends with them. Um, I have done thoughtless things uh, related to women and taking advantage of, I love beautiful women. I think he's actually said that publicly. I'm just popping in here. Um, and I, there is a part of me that, uh, based on how much, how, how little or how much they respect themselves, I treat them accordingly. Um, if I saw, you know, if I had a colleague that was a lawyer, I would never dream of, um, let's say violating their space the way I have with somebody that doesn't seem or demonstrate to have any self-respect and is only showing themselves as a, um, a token of beauty in the world. I look at I look at that as something that I can touch if I want to, um, and that has happened. Um, so I have a. It's not about disrespecting women, though, as a as a gender. It's about not respecting someone that isn't respecting themselves. I have tremendous respect um, for people that respect themselves and have worked hard and have accomplished and and you know strive and want to be their best. Um, but so it, I, I get it that given the stupid choices I've made, that there are people that say he's, he hates all women or he, you know, he talks about, you know, grabbing women inappropriately that I talk about that, you know, in cabinet meetings or something like that. That was a, that was a stupid thing I said that I never would have said had Billy not been there. I was trying to get Billy to like me. And because he was there and I sensed that he was that way and it was the context of the conversation I said out loud what, in a way, I thought he wanted to hear, and it was behavior I had done before. Um, but it's not because I disrespect women, it's because I disrespected those women and thought they were absolutely beautiful and wanted to touch it. I mean, yeah, it, like, a, like a kid in a candy store is kind of how I felt about myself at most uh, pageant sort of situations. Um, but it's, it's interesting also because the Miss Universe pageants and all of that, um, I want these women to respect themselves. And I see that one of, in their case, one of their most uh, notable assets is their, action, their stunning beauty. Now, could they do more with that? Are they intelligent underneath all that? Yes, but, but they don't know that. So is there a way that I love to foster you know, their futures and help them you know, become law students or whatever? become physicians, lawyers, mothers, whatever. Yeah, but if they don't respect themselves, then I sort of treat them accordingly. I don't know why I keep repeating that, but it, it's not disrespect for all women. My wife would never put up with that. Um, none of my wives would have, actually. Um, especially Vana. <laughs> never would have put up with that. Um, but she knew I was kind of situation-based, um, so she put up with probably more than she should have but I you know she saw what she wanted to see she was busy with the kids um what was your question again I think there's also there's the women thing but there's also some of the the element of uh, white supremacy the you know I don't I do not feel whites are supreme to any other race I have never felt that I, I, it still baffles me a bit as to where this idea came from. I can't help that white supremacists love me. 
you can't, you don't get to say as a public figure who aligns with your ideas and for why. You, you can't control that. So I'm in an unfortunate position that white supremacists, for me as the U.S. president, love me um, because I'm anti-establishment and all these things, and they did not vote for Obama, right? So they were happy to get anyone in that was not black of any threat, right? Um, there is a very Aryan, you know, sort of... Uh, element to my genetics so I think anyone with my genetics they would have loved so it I think yeah it's a it's a horrible shitstorm that I that I deal with every day and I think I think that's completely unfair I mean how does Ben Carson not count I mean I love that man he is the most decent um, you know you may not agree with his politics but Ben Carson is just a beautiful human being inside and out and I, I don't want credit for the fact that I adore him. Um, but I'm frustrated that somehow, well, you have to be racist and you only put Ben Carson on your cabinet because, you know, to, to show that you're not a white supremacist. I'm just, it's so annoying. Yeah. What else? What about foreign policy with Russia and Korea? Because we get all the negative aspects. What do you see? I want deals done. Those are both resource-rich countries um, that have been managed, in my opinion, horribly. Um, I, 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 I'm pro-business, right? And the, the business opportunities that would benefit North Korea, that would benefit the Asia-Pacific region, if they added North Korea in as a business partner, they would not need to fear him with his military might. Um, so I'm trying to get that regime, not just him, but who's ever next in line, right? Because that's their system. They don't elect. Um, to understand the benefits of being a business partner, a business partner. I don't look at it as a, a, a political ally. I look at it as what deals can we get done, our industry and your potential industry and the human capital that they have. I mean, they're, here, they're used to following orders. That makes, I mean, look at China. It's made for an amazing workforce um, that's highly efficient and highly productive and the top exporter in the world. So when you have that culture of tell me the order and I'll follow it and I won't question it, that, I mean, that's not America. Um, so they're, one of their greatest resources in North Korea is their human capital. Um, that we've seen with China can be put to amazing use. So I see, I see North Korea as an amazing manufacturing hub. Um, there's so many business deals there. And then Russia, I mean, resource rich beyond measure. Um, so I look at it as we can all win if we share. And some would say, I'm, I, you know, I'm wanting to exploit those resources. I'm, I'm more long-term than that. I have kids. I have grandkids. There's nothing about my mindset that's let's, let's rape the natural resources of Earth so that our grandchildren have nothing. That's so not in my, in my core value system. But I don't feel like um, resources are as depletable and as limited in supply as some people think. And I don't care what the scientists and research says. They're wrong all the time. They're wrong all the time. There was a time when the American oil reserves and American oil resources were thought of as, you know, depleted and gone and there was never going to be any more. And then there were other um, wells found. There's other ways to extract it with fracking, which does have problems. 
Um, but I don't feel like it's as destructive as some people think it is. It does have negative uh, side effects, I think, temporarily. But if it's possible that those resources are are uh, redeemable and that, you know, properties that are, I mean, if properties on a, um, a coal reserve, they eventually decided the houses shouldn't be there. They extracted the coal and then the people moved elsewhere. So there's, I think there's, there's good reasons to compensate somebody to move if they're, if they're living in a place that has a greater benefit to this society. Um, so in terms of, you know, nations and things like that, I just, I never see the harm in talking to somebody. I never see it as, oh, you can't talk to them. That's exactly who you should talk to, somebody that nobody's talked to. Um, so I just, I just think it's ignorant thinking of people that, that judge me for who I'm willing to speak with. I, I don't, not speaking to these people has not made the situation better. Not speaking to these individuals hasn't, hasn't fixed the problem. Sanctions haven't worked in a lot of cases. We're trying this with Iran, obviously, tightening the sanctions and... mentioned earlier about um, protecting the family being one of the primary considerations and that um, being quite confident in um, his, his, your ideas, Trump's ideas, and, um, and what I'm thinking about is fear. Um, how, how, did, how, does, how do you, how does Trump deal with fear uh, in light of the many decisions and, that have to be done uh, in that type of uh, office. Do you mean fear of being wrong or fear yes, of losing? Yes, fear of being wrong. I actually don't, I mind more of fear of losing. I hate losing. But I'm actually not afraid of being wrong. Um, it's a bigger fear of losing. Now, it, those that know me really well know that there's a there's a very delicate way to tell me I'm wrong um, and the right way to do it is we will lose if you don't see this <laughs> and then I'm all ears <laughs> um, uh, Nikki the UN the former UN ambassador was uh, really good at that we will we will lose and she knew we meant America the USA um, which is my primary interest. I, I, oh, I'm just, I was always horrified at the global policy decisions that were made for the sake of another country at the expense of the American people. I, it drove me crazy because to me, that's a horrible deal. It, it was giving in. It was saying, it was saying, yes, it was, you know, believing data, believing scientists that giving it way too much credit, uh, for it being right without a, without a, plan of, but what if it's wrong? And throwing money at things. I, I really, really value money because to me, money is stored effort. And I value stored effort because it, labor is time away from your family. I love, I love to work. So for me, it's not a problem, but for the, I mean, for some people, they don't, they don't think of the investment of their time that they've invest, you know, that they've given to a company or to an objective or etc. It's just, it baffles me. It's like they don't value themselves. They're just, you know, for slaughter, you know, just kill me now. So these global policy deals related to what you're touching on here, um, I, 
that yeah, I'm not I'm not afraid of being wrong. Um, but it it has to be pointed out to me in a way that yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that question. Yeah, what else? laughing at me because he's like Joel knows part of what what the, the other side to this is so uh, he's like you can share your part first Jill and then okay so did you know that Canada will not just let anybody in based on their need they actually vet based on degree based on employability um, you can't even visit the country if you've had a DUI for example I have a client that had a DUI 25 years ago um, and she cannot visit her girlfriend in Victoria because of her DUI from 25 years ago, right? So it's, I find it really fascinating that um, the USA has such this godly view of itself that, and that, you know, the, the Statue of Liberty is quoted all the time, right? Um, but we did, that's not a constitution. That's not a, that's not a, um, constitutional value that we hold it's a you know it's sort of a we're really beautiful if we if we do this right okay so there's that context okay let me see what he wants to say about this I don't think it's fair to the American people and the way that we work and we we work very hard and we're there's a lot of people that are unemployed um, it's it's tough right now to be a, in the in the middle of the economy and uh, less educated to make a good living as a family and it's them that I'm thinking about it's not that I'm that I don't care about the plight of those countries but I don't think letting letting them in here is number one going to fix their problems and I think there's a better way to solve their actual problem because that's like a band-aid they're going to because like I said the middle class in America has a really really hard time right now it's it's not as hard as those coming from Guatemala and Honduras and those other countries but to add another level of of less skilled labor is going to make everyone's situation worse and I don't think that's fair to them, to the, the people that are already here. So that's part of it. Now, I do have ideas for how to fix it long term, and it's to help those economies be more stable. And I always look at industry. I always look at business. Those are resource-rich areas. And again, when I say that, I'm not thinking, let's, let's you know, pillage its resources. That doesn't, that's, I'm not into short-term solutions. And I, I, I'm always into what's sustainable how can we do this in a sustainable way how can we you know all of that um so i think it's i think that the democrats look good in that they're most of them are saying let's let's let them all in here and it'll fix the problem i think they're lying to themselves and i'm i'm mad at them because they they seem to claim that they're the most educated and intelligent and intellectual of of any of any of the parties and yet they 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 don't, they're not honest with themselves about, their, they act like children, like kindergartners um, that are going to go in the lunchroom and steal all the food and, and pretend they saved the world, right? There's no more food in that cafeteria for everybody. Um, we will become more dependent on China and other import, um, import heavy indi- uh, nations if we take on as many immigrants as the Democrats would like to. Um, 
I think it is also dishonest to tell those uh, those immigrants that we'll take care of you because we are having a hard time paying for what I mean look at the debt I didn't that's not that's not something I caused and what would happen to the debt if we let as many people in as they want to it, it would get bad fast plus if you look at the actual statistics of um, Central American individuals, they tend to have more children and younger and faster. So we would be in a population growth of lesser skilled individuals, right? That tend to statistically um, expect and need more social welfare. But that, that gets nowhere for the American people. Um, and then he's asking, he says, say what you said, Jill. So I have a friend that is, that she was, she used to be conservative and now she's very, very loyal Democrat. And we were having a conversation, I guess Barbara Marks Hubbard said something about, um, there was some public comment that she made about, uh, it was basically, we should let them all in if we're really, you know, a loving nation and a loving people. And, and I said, I said, I, I don't, I think that's a beautiful statement, but it doesn't work. I don't think it works that way. And she said, well, what problem do you have with it? And, and I said, I'm tired of Americans acting like they're God. Right. Do you see my point? It's just, and she was just like, oh yeah. I mean, we just act like we can fix everybody's problems. And I think there's an, I think there's an arrogance there. And it's not that I don't wish it were true. It's not that we don't have anything to offer. But there's, it's a, it's not a real fix. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. If, does, and he said, if, "Do you have any other questions about it?" It's complex. Yeah. What else? He just said, "Who else can I win over?" <laughs> and then he just said, "Or have I won anybody over?" <laughs> Do you like me more? I was laughing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious what he views as his greatest assets. Uh, I mean, in part, what what he mentioned was about negotiating, making deals. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, negotiating. I, 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 I do have a, a blind a blindness to uh, past deals. I always think I got the best deal. I don't, you know. And I kind of refuse to look at any new evidence. Uh, if I can't go back and do the deal, then what good does it do to look back on it? Unless we're going to renegotiate at some point or, you know, there's an openness in there. I can have my lawyers redo the contract or whatever. This is very different running a country. Um, the, the legal maneuvers and things like that. And I've never had such a mischaracterization of who I am be so public. And it's just bizarre. Um, the, the way the papers and news organizations, the, the uh, tremendous power that they have in making a star or making a villain is absolutely fascinating. And I wish more people understood that. Justin Trudeau could do no wrong, nothing wrong, right? Um, and then, you know, occasionally there's a, now there's even more, right? About, well, he's not perfect either, but man, the desire to have a hero and the desire to have an anti-hero, the news agencies and news organizations just play right into that. And the psychological, uh, validation level of, of its readership and its viewership. It's amazing how, uh, and those that are in the hero spots that, that are also human, they're, they're, 
they have a different fear, right? They have a different side of, oh shit, what are they going to find out? I, I did this or did that or do this or do that. You know, they're... But it, when they've already been made out to be a hero, some of them last a lot longer in that shiny spotlight um, of the hero than, than they deserve to be. And then there's individuals that mean, I can do no right. I can do no right is how I look at it. No matter what I do, it's, it's maligned. And I do, things, I do things every day that a tip that Barack would have been praised for. And, and I'm vilified for, and it's just like, I, I, and I, part of me, another person would have given up a long time ago and said, this is not worth it, right? I quit. I've got another job I can go to. Thank you very much. Um, so I am making sacrifices by being here because I do love my country. Um, and I do love what this country has to offer. I, I feel, yeah, very paternal in a way towards the middle class and I was middle class right my, my family before my father built his empire the reason we were able to build the empire that we did and employ so many people and all those things capitalists are undervalued they're not they're not made into heroes in these times they're made into villains and I just I can't fix that but it's just a constant obstacle if if Barack Obama had been an industrialist he would not have been a hero if Justin Trudeau had not been the son of a politician Right, and in the family of politics, he would not have been a hero. If JFK Jr. had been, you know, not as they're just for some reason, political minded has often meant civic minded and a servant of the people, and we're here to serve the people. But that isn't what politicians are, and they haven't been for a long, long time. It's extreme, it's more selfish than any capitalist I know. Um, but they're made into these heroes just because they ran for office. And I didn't even, I didn't even get that. No one even noticed the sacrifice I made <laughs> monetarily of what I would have given up and the burden I placed on my sons. And um, Ivanka already had it figured out. She didn't need me. But, yeah. yeah. So I have another question about, um, you know, in terms of how does the military factor into the capitalist? You know, because it is, it is taking a some of what's available there. Yeah. That, you've seen I don't get along <laughs> with the generals very well. Um, because my route to peace and route to mutual improvement is based on business deals, they, we can't even talk to each other. It, it's a totally different mindset. Um, and most of these generals have been in a um, philanthropic sort of application for decades. We're going in to help them versus we're going in to protect ourselves from them, right? That has been a, a lesser component of U.S. military um, maneuvers for a long, long time, right? Um, the Cold War was we were protecting ourselves from an enemy, right? But then, I mean, the Taliban and, and all of these other, they're, they're not... I mean, 9-11 was a, was a, um, a different occurrence, but it, it's just, they're, they're, they're tribes with, with incredible weaponry. But the tribalism and the, the sense of sophistication and sense of maneuverability, it's, it has, to the severe humble, humblement of, our, of our, all of our forces in the U.S., has been just frustrating. 
um, it's like the anteater trying to get the ants, right? And the anteater knows it has, it should have more training and more might and more experience, but it cannot get at those ants in that ant mound. Um, not to demean that they're ants and not humans, but I'm not trying to demean their humanity. They deserve a good life too, but I have a better, I would have, a, I have ideas for how they could have a better life. Um, so I, I don't, military might is not the first place I go. I think of what is their industry? How can we uh, help them bend <laughs> to a better way of making decisions that places them in a better spot in the world so we can benefit from their resources and, and have trade deals back and forth? Um, yeah, so with the military, the fact of being commander-in-chief has always, you know, it, it's not my nature. So I try to hire these great generals and then, and then they don't get me, and, and I don't understand them, and it's not a great union. <laughs> yeah. God, I love your guys' questions. I'm just saying that. It's so good. Yeah. Do you have questions, Deirdre? Kind of along those lines, how, how then do we pull out? How do we... We never should have gone in. Okay. That's, 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 you, you, can, you actually, I mean, you notice I, haven't, you notice I haven't gone into any new places, though. I haven't, oh, I, as Trump, have not said we're going, if anything, I, I want more out. I want less involvement in wars that we can't win or, you know, occupations, whatever they want to call it. And I sense a feeling of trying to be drawn into Iran and that, or more in the Middle East, right? The, well, that, here's that what's, here's, what's yeah, there. here's what's going on in the Middle East. So Iran, I was not willing, and I'm not willing, to do uh, military maneuvers. That was one of the reasons why, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Um, well, yes, <laughs> Bolton was one. Uh, Mattis. It's one of the reasons why Mattis was out, because he was hoping I would finally be the leader that would go in and tell Iran what's what, because Obama would not. Um, and for good reason, by the way, Barack would not. Um, and I, I, I still agree with him that it was not, it was not and is not the right idea. And they want to go into Iran and tell them what's what. Um, and it, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that. Now, what's going on between Saudi Arabia and Iran, um, between them, I, I mean, we... I like the prince. <laughs> I like the Prince of Saudi Arabia, and I do want a business relationship with them. Um, not, I mean, not just as a nation, but also as Trump um, for, for my empire. I think that they are a wonderful business ally of the USA, and um, I'm, I think that they get easily distracted by um, their... Uh, military maneuvers and Yemen and Qatar and all these other places. So I, I think they would be a much a much even wealthier nation than they are. Um, then if they didn't keep kind of picking fights in places and, and getting mad that somebody said something mad about them, he's more sensitive than I am in terms of those things. And he's willing to use his military. Um, yeah, he'd be a, a happier guy if he just used Twitter. <laughs> say what he wanted to say versus send the troops, you know. Um, yeah, what else on that? Anything? So on the positive side, what does he draw upon when he's kind of on a follow-up to Paul's question? 
what energy or strength of character does he draw upon when he is being attacked by or that I want it's that I want to win yeah and when by me winning in this and this is where I'm trying to um, I wish more people understood that I am the type of leader that whatever you put me in charge of I want it to win I want the American people that's what that's what the USA is a nation of people um, I want the people of the USA to win and my most well there are side effects right when I build a you know a casino or whatever there's there's businesses that must be bought out and I'm of course going to look for the cheapest price but to me USA winning doesn't mean another country losing so those that can't that's the best kind of deal is where you both say I got a good deal right now it isn't based on a lie it's based on who cares about what and what can what can we give you and you give us where we all walk away saying hey that was we're better because of this so I, I, I think it's odd that uh, and just what's happening in our schools where nobody sees the smartest people in the in the country and in the world don't seem to understand that me saying USA winning doesn't mean me saying everyone else has to lose um, the best kind of win is everybody winning um, so that's my that's my main motivation is to win now do I look good when I win yes yes I love but the reason I look good is because I won <laughs> it, it's uh, so there. There's a mischaracterization of that part too. I, I, yeah. So I want to get specific for a second because yeah. he just said, "Uh oh." Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's put the money where the mouth is for a minute. So you're characterizing. I'll speak to Jeff directly. You're characterizing um, sort of the capitalist engine as you know, working in the favor, working in the favor of everyone. Uh, the benefits of the capitalist, uh, in you know, the industry of the of capitalism. Um, but at the same time, there are so, for instance, pharmaceuticals has a terrible rap, just like Trump. There's so much good that's happening in that industry, and no, they will no never win. So that yeah. is what Trump himself, you yourself, are also on that bandwagon of. This industry is one that's sort of ripe for the picking. Of, uh, they have too much, or they—I don't know. I mean, there's something in there where, at the same time, he recognizes himself as someone who can do the right, even though there's so much good in it. He will not recognize the goodness in. I only have access to that particular industry, but that's. Okay. Okay, I I take issue with the the fact that I that I don't give them any credit. I I do believe we have as Americans some of the best healthcare in the world. I mean, princes, kings, queens from other some of the wealthiest countries in the world they come to America for healthcare. They don't go to Canada. They don't go to the UK, and they have all the money in the world to buy anything they want. And they come to the USA because of our healthcare. Um, because of our surgeons, because it, you know that's that's where they go, and New York City, a lot of them, right? Um, the pharmaceutical industry is a part of a. It's it's a. We're so good at that, right? We are so good at recognizing a cure, a remedy, etc. Um, I one of the 
sensitivities I have um, that I don't know if you're referring to specifically, but um, I have a problem and I see it as a weakness when, I mean, my brother with his addictions, right? And I'm, I'm very bothered by the fact that the pharmaceutical industry, in my opinion, has not done its fair share of responsibility for minimizing the impact of addictive drugs. And when you, when you look at the behind, you know, the behind the scenes story of the um, compensation for physicians and writing scripts and recommending addictive drugs, and they knew they were highly addictive in situations of vulnerable, you know, veterans and things like this, they should have known better. And my sense is they did know better and they didn't care. So capitalism to me comes with a huge amount of responsibility for ethics and integrity and thinking past just that, you know, profit cycle and that reporting window. And I feel like the opioid and fentanyl and all of that epidemic, I, I do place blame on the pharmaceutical industry. So I, I'm mad at them, <laughs> frankly, about that. And I, those are Americans, right? Those, are, like I said, those, that's what we are, is our Americans. And the fact that that's not only a, a crisis for us in the USA that we've exported this crisis as well makes me mad that they should have known better. They should have managed this better. Um, I blame the FDA in some ways too because they had access to the same data. Uh, well, most of it. Anyway, um, there was some uh, info withheld to get things approved. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Interesting. Um, anyway, so there's that part of it that you're probably seeing more of right now. But I, I feel more credit um, for the pharmaceutical industry than I'm currently conveying because I'm so mad at them about this this issue. And um, what good is an American workforce if it's addicted and, and if it's the impact on families and then social welfare and all these things? It's, it's going to be horrible and very expensive. And I... I completely avoidable. It was completely avoidable. It was 100% an avoidable crisis. They, yeah. I so. agree with you in terms of that particular, you yeah. know, the company that I have access to doesn't have anything to do with the opioid crisis. Yeah. You know, so, but you are, asked about the industry. Yeah, you didn't yeah, ask no, about no, your no, company. No, 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 yeah. no. I'm not even asking Trump this. Okay. I'm just saying yeah. it, it had, the industry has been lumped together as, yeah. as yeah. you know, a target. And so everybody in it is suffering even those yeah. who didn't have access. Good point. You know, very good point. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's harsh. Yeah. It is. But they, I mean, speaking of as Jill, because it's Pfizer, right? Yeah. If I were Pfizer, I would be talking a lot about how upset it is with the crisis. I mean, seriously, why not do a public service campaign or something? To, Pfizer gives out free Narcan. I mean, to Yeah, exactly. See, you that can't. should... It doesn't work. It doesn't work. They don't want to hear it. They're like, yeah, well, you owe it to us.
Yeah. 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 Okay. Anything else for Trump? So, so what's going on with the impeachment? So, in the, I'm just looking at today's yeah. thing, where a Democratic presidential candidate Did, was staunchly, this is a waste of time, this is not serving the people, and then that afternoon switches. Like, what is going on behind the scenes of... Uh, did, you read the, did you read the conversation? Uh, did you read the call? No, the call transcript? I've read, yeah. So you read the transcript I, between I, myself I and the Ukrainian president? I think so, yes. <laughs> how, come, how come you don't know? No, I meant what's going on with the Democratic I, I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. But, but did, do you know that you read the call transcript or no? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember what I've done. I think. Okay, the call transcript is about maybe a page and a half of me being my flattering self of the Ukrainian president and him being very flattering of me as the USA president and me asking him to take more seriously and help us with who from an, a non-USA um, uh, energy center worked during the 2016 campaign to manipulate voters and misinform voters. That's what I asked him. What has now been, what has now happened is that, and he's smiling at me because I didn't know why I was looking at this two days ago and he couldn't have had this conversation had I not had these little factoids. Um, when I had a, when I had a, pres when I had a call with the, the leader of Australia, more towards the beginning of my um, presidency, that information about that private call, and I do have private conversations that, that are not needed. I mean, they're meant to be kept within the White House. Most people within the White House would know that. But there's such a piecemeal frenzy about anything from the White House that would not be public knowledge. There are, I have a much higher incidence of information that should be kept within the White House leaked from the White House because of the hate factory against me so that was that was over a year ago that this private call from one nation leader to another that information was leaked ever after that all of my conversations with other leaders are put um, are held as secret by CIA documentation rules and are not public because I can't trust my own staff that's why I'm saying I don't think I've read the right thing. Like, okay. I don't trust the sources I've been Okay, okay. You'd have to I read the actual transcript it, right? in order to know. Not a not a context. And it said this versus just, no, this is what was said. Um, anyway, so uh, because of that, I this conversation between myself and the Ukrainian president was not public. But somebody that thought they knew what was said, but didn't know what was said, because after the Australian conversation, all of them were classified. And I do trust those that did know what was said. So somebody that didn't know what was said, told somebody in the CIA, and the CIA trusted their source that they knew and they didn't know, and they became the whistleblower. So the whistleblower then said, hey, we've got a problem. There was an inappropriate, illegal conversation that, the, that Trump had with the Ukrainian president. And he doesn't know. So we have the, uh, one of the very first times of a whistleblower 
being a whistleblower based on secondhand information. And it is being now used against a group that has wanted to impeach me from the moment they got elected. So the fact, I mean, it, this is this is nothing. If this becomes an impeachable, if, if any branch of government ends up, if any aspect of the House and the Senate ends up impeaching me for this secondhand whistleblower information when they already have the facts because I told my staff to release the facts because I know I have nothing to hide. Um, it's, it's, it'll, it will not surprise me, but it will be another sense of how unjust our justice system is. Well, and I think that's the question I have is here's a seemingly, like, it, based on what it's I've funny. seen. I feel it's, the... It's completely... <laughs> it's, it's, it's completely, uh, just like you said, it, it, it isn't a real offense or it's nothing happening. There's nothing in those transcripts, you guys. There's nothing even there. Democrats know that it's, it's yeah. not going to yeah. I mean, everybody knows. It's just... But, but no, not everybody does know, Joe. No. Oh, no, 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 no. So here's the one yeah. No, there's a lot of people that are that are totally believing yeah, that this is going to be what we can finally get to impeach him, and they'll never see that that there was nothing illegal. And so yeah. here I'm looking at something this morning where a seemingly smart person. You're talking about Chelsea. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Madness. <laughs> and I read her her statement, and it's carefully worded, and I can completely understand this. Yeah. But I don't understand. Like, so what's going on behind the scenes back there? Like, yep. I don't get it. How do they have that much pull? Like, what's he just? He just said this should be a reading of Tulsi. Tulsi, then, because he, you're asking, and this is fair. And yep, I, I, I get his point. He's, and I just want to say it to everybody because I was very clear what he just said. And I mean, I appreciate his his, his intelligence. He said, "You're." She's asking you, as me, as Trump, to give a reading for why Tulsi switched her mind. Well, I'm. That I'm asking true, about the machine, the Democratic machine. Like, what's oh, okay. going on back there? And I would like to watch what Tulsi said. Okay, so your question of Trump is what the Democratic well, machine is? What is he aware of, of like... They hate me. They, <laughs> that's what he said. I mean, is that's that what's it? going on in the back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand. They hate me, and the reason they hate me is because their constituents hate me. And, and my sense is, as Trump, that they all hate me based on a ton of mischaracterizations and misinformation. And I actually don't mind being hated, but I would rather be hated for something I actually did and actually said and actually thought. But this, this I guess people are just happy being haters, and I'm not going to expect much from them as Americans anyway. So, yeah. Oh, and I hate social welfare. I hate social welfare. Not because I hate people, but because, it, to me, it's basically saying, I know you can't do any better than this. Let me give you a handout. And I think that is the worst thing to do for anybody that needs social welfare. The portion of the population that has, you know, um, cerebral palsy or something like that, where they're, even them, I would love to be able to interact and have, a, have somebody that knows, and that is an expert and has professional ethics, that could say with them, is there anything that you would want to offer your community? Is there anything where we can help you feel as valuable as you are? That is me as Donald, my heart. No one, hardly anyone will see that about me. To me, social welfare is, a, is as bad as an addictive, as bad as an opioid.
to sort of foothold to this discussion, you, you mentioned you're tapping into the sub one of Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you could just sort of, you know, I, I've heard that term, I, I believe I understand it, but I'm just wondering if you could just... Give that context. Yes. Okay. So, um, and now I'm speaking as Jill, so, because I'm the one that chose the term sub one. Um, well, my and my team. So when we say sub one, what we're talking about is, and it came up in the um, Ascension Codes series in, I think, December of 2018. What, what they were doing was, okay, there's your infinite self, which can speak at a very, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We understand this human, um, and we understand the all that is, so we can speak at, at all levels and where there isn't levels, right? And then there's the human self, which is operating amidst its human consciousness, and then we came up with this term sub one to refer to a version of consciousness that is not at the infinite self. So it can feel and act and respond more as the human self, but it is more informed than this. Than the, it's like the psychiatrist. <laughs> it's like the best psychiatrist, but it doesn't see both because it, it, it well, no, because it's well, it, it can, but it's not speaking from that voice of the infinite self which is a little bit too high up or expanded sometimes to get the content, the gist of the matter <laughs> going on. Yeah, mid-self is sometimes... We like sub one better because we're trying to get out of anything with higher, lower, mid. Because, you know, there's still this... There's this the brain keeps wanting to go, higher is above me and lower is beneath me when it's, a, it's an accordion range of this that's much more accurate in describing what the energy profile is. A narrow, skinny, closed accordion cannot play music. And a narrow, skinny energy profile that is not aware and has no human human consciousness, human consciousness connection to its infinite self is a very, it's you know, sipping the ocean out of a straw, right? So we love uh, narrow, skinny, wide, expanded. Um, so we picked sub one because it, it has no north, south, east, west sort of connotation <laughs> to it. Yeah. Does that answer your question about sub one? Yeah. I have a question then in there because when I have sessions with you and you tap into my sub one, I don't got access to that. So. Yeah, your sub one, not, the human consciousness doesn't have access right. to it. Right. So we're talking to the sub one of Trump, yeah. which he doesn't actually have access to. That's exactly so right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. He looks like he's running around with a rifle just shooting things up down here. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate the sub oneness yes. of him. Yeah. But I'm not so enamored with the human. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. wondering what is there a juxtaposition where we are getting some of this sub one conscious expression in Do you remember er, do you remember earlier when I said people are giving him too much credit? That's exactly what I'm referring to. So when some people are, are asking, you know, does he, is he a catalyst? You know, which is a great question, Anne. You know, is he a catalyzer um, for this nation or for this world, right? It's given, and that's when he has his sub one said, that's giving me too much credit. So you see it, what I'm saying? Yes, but that makes me want to ask, is someone who has vision of Yeah. Okay. So yeah, 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 yeah. So the reason we went to the sub one level is because the sub one level knows the subconscious urges, drives, drivers, and motivators. 
And that's why, from a psych- psychologist's perspective, what we gave you is the most relevant information in terms of who this man is and what makes his t- him tick. That doesn't mean he has to be aware of it. Okay? So we were giving you the broader context that he can't articulate because he doesn't allow himself to go that deep. Because going that deep to him is an emotional distraction. It's a highly sensitive area that would distract him from feeling like the winner he wants to be. So even if he looks like a hot mess, the... He is a hot mess. Yes. But does that mean... shouldn't take away from from anything that we said or anything that you see we're trying to add more more context to what you see and what you see is not all there is does that make sense so it's almost like we've tried to give you a psychological or psychiatric profile of what's going on there and i know for me as jill when i heard it i'm like this is good news yeah i I was uh, yeah Oh, okay. Oh, to me, it 100% does. But it could be that I understand the process more of what's going on here. So if you got a psychiatric profile of Trump, you would be pleased. You'd go, oh, that's good news. Okay? So when we go at the team level, it's about, oh, there's so many other possibilities also for what this person could be. And that's one of the advantages of going at the, you know, at the sub one level. It's not thinking, it's not, it's, it's frame is not, there's another version of Donald Trump that never ran for office, didn't, then the country wasn't as divided, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, it doesn't go there because it doesn't matter. It's more rooted in reality, and it's helping the bigger context of why things are happening the way they are, why things look the way they do, um, why somebody did what they did without their knowledge. Because if we asked Donald Trump today, why did you say that you can grab anyone's pussy anytime you want? He would not say, I was trying to be one of the guys with Billy. He would not say that. Um, I mean, he was stupid enough, as his human Donald Trump, to think that was an intelligent, appropriate thing to say with a journalist. I mean, like, even JFK or LB, you know, Lyndon Lyndon Johnson would be like, you don't say that to a journalist, not unless you're having a ciggy, you know, and a, (laughs) you know, and a whiskey, (laughs) you idiot. (laughs) <laughs> while you're running for office, right? And there was a different code of ethics at that time of JFK and Linda. If we, this is another thing that frustrates him, by the way. If we were more aware of what those, what other presidents are also, including Barack, he was never shown with a cigarette in his mouth. Ever. Right? Maybe once. Right? So this, it's just so frustrating that I get so much shit um, when all these other presidents got all these passes all the time. I'm not a philanderer, right? Do I grab women inappropriately when I shouldn't? Um, whether I think they like it, because sometimes I think they do, right? Um, or not, right? I mean, yeah. Wow. Oh, it's interesting. When we were talking about the social welfare, right, he, he was saying that's one of the main reasons he wouldn't run as a, as a Democrat. Because that is such a tool for them of, of goodness, social welfare. 
and he just sees that whole system as so broke. Yeah, but it, 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 it is a double edge. Yes. Everything here is a double edge. Yes. It's, oh my god. Oh, sorry. Okay. I don't want Karen to miss this part. Okay, good. Um, that's another reason I'm letting him speak again. That's another reason why the Democrats hate me so much. Had I won as a Democrat, I would be their best hero. They wouldn't have talked about what I said to Billy Bush. That would never be addressed. That would never be made public. They would protect me like they protected Brock smoking, right? I would get a pass on a whole bunch of things because I was on their side representing their interests. I couldn't and wouldn't run as a Democrat, not because I couldn't win, because you know what, I could have won. But I was mad at them for how they treated me at that, uh, that breakfast, the press, National Press Corps uh, event. That was what made me decide to run anyway. But then I, I wouldn't uh, follow the DNC platform of, of what they were running on. And so I just, I could have run as an independent, but I actually didn't think I could win because the, the political machine involved, you, you have to pick one of the major parties and I, I wanted to win, surprise, surprise. Um, so I chose, I chose the Republicans and I was actually surprised that they welcomed me. The only reason they welcomed me is because I am a capitalist and they're, they're and because I'm a hard worker and because I love to win and the Republican tend to like that. I wouldn't have one without Pence. I needed Pence for the Christian right. I'm actually for, <laughs> he just said, he just said, hang on before you say this out loud. And I'm asking him because he just told me something. He's like, oh, just go ahead and say it. <laughs> um, I'm actually pro-choice. If my wife or my children, and I have had women in my life that have had abortions and I am pro-choice. The only reason I I am uh, aligning with pro-life right now, uh, anti-abortion uh, legislation and rules, is because I am being loyal to the base that elected me, who are mainly Republicans, and who's in charge of the Republican Party as of now are the uh, Christian right. That should not be the case. If the if the capitalists were the, not oligarchs, the capitalists, not crony capitalism, actual business that solves problems and does not is not anti-environment, is not anti you know customer, um, actual capitalists. Um, if they were in charge of the Republican Party, it would win all the time. It would win all the time. Is that the same for gay rights? I have zero problem with gay rights. I have zero problem. If one of my children at any time came to me and said, I'm an, I'm a homosexual or I am transgender, I would say, awesome. Uh, what do you want to share with the world? How do you want to be productive in the world? Because I don't, I don't look at them as a victim and I, I have a huge problem with any class or identification that uses it as a sense of, I need more services because of this. And that's, a, that's another big problem I have with, with those that tend to be call themselves liberal is what they seem to be saying is I'm pro-victim and making somebody that isn't a victim into a victim. Um, so I think that's just, I think it's totally ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry I interrupted you there. Um, I'm, I'm curious, and maybe it's been already stated, but maybe it could be done, maybe... 
more succinctly, but I'm, I'm quite curious what, you know, eventually in the aftermath when he's no longer in office, what would he consider to be um, a legacy that it would be, that would be representative of his contribution? I want to make America better. I do. I really want to make America better. Um, I have ideas for how I could do that. Like we were talking about, they're very pro-business and pro-relationship and pro-win-win situations and non-militant um, and non-victimization, non-victimizing, um, strengthening of individual character and hard work and value, personal value, sense of value, and placement of society. Um, that would be it. I mean, am I an asshole too? And unlikable in a lot of ways, yeah. But you know what? Most great leaders are. Um, and most great capitalists were too. John Rockefeller was a complete asshole. You should have seen my dad. Oh my God, Trump Sr. was a... Oh, if you hated me, you would have hated him. He wasn't as sensitive. He wasn't as... Yeah, he was very insensitive and disconnected. Um, yeah. He wanted to win no matter what. I want to win, but I want to win based on everybody winning. And I don't get credit for that. Yeah. So my legacy, but I would like to be called right. <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. Sound good? What, what does he enjoy about the office? Nothing. About a lot of doing yeah. deals. Doing deals. That's it. The doing deals and having access to other potential kind of deal makers and partners that I didn't have access to, even as Donald Trump. Um, I never would have been able to meet with Vladimir Putin. And it's not that I'm all starry-eyed about Vladimir Putin or I have some man crush on him, like some people are saying. It's that what a wonderful ally Russia could be. And that, that would change world global politics if the USA and Russia could become allies on any level. That would be a win-win for everybody. Good. Oh, it's only a little question. Oh, okay. No, I thought you were gonna say that. I did. Oh, well, I'll take that. The sub, the sub ones. Yeah. Did I ever say no? I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. That's why it took a little while to connect with him. I was um, figuring out what he was willing, and then he said, "Well, I'll let my sub one speak." Um, so yeah, there are, in um, the way I come across it most often is in a private session. If somebody has like a loved one or an ex um, or a child, you know, a child or something, and I'm like, this one's a little resistant there. Are they not into this kind of work? And normally that's the case. And they'll be like, yeah, my husband's not into this at all. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll see what they're willing to share. Um, and then others that it doesn't even though they're not as they're human into any of this they willingly like oh yeah please tell her this or tell them that yeah so yeah good question why don't you want to I'm, I'm guessing every question you ask there may not be somebody on this group that's like yes but there might be somebody that listens to it that goes yes yes <laughs> There's no bad questions. <laughs> Except when asked questions. Oh, that's true. Pressure's on. Okay. Um, I like both of this, this sort of uh, 
stems from your last sort of podcast dealing with luck. Oh, yeah. When you uh, talked about that. And what I get from that is um, you can have all the positive intention in the world, but chances are it's not going to really cut it for you in terms of getting what you want because just because you want something doesn't mean you're going to get it. So how do you sort of relate to this concept or notion of synchronicity or serendipity? Mm. Well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we and I definitely come across a lot of individuals that take synchronicity and symbolism and things like this as a sign of something, that it means something, that, you know, um, you know, they thought about a Greece trip and then, oh my gosh, I got an email about a Greece trip. I meant to go, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that, that's an unfortunate linking of things that happen to go together, but doesn't necessarily mean a yes or a no, or you should, or you shouldn't. Right. So, um, we did do another podcast on this, but I'm happy to cover it again because it, it, well, if you still have the question, Paul, then <laughs> there's another opportunity to, to go in there again. So, just because things happen to go together, happen to match, it literally doesn't mean any one thing. Um, so, those that are kind of waiting for a sign, like, you know, is this man the right one? Or uh, is this the right job? Or should I quit my job? Or whatever. And they're sort of waiting for a sign and then like to tell them what to do. Our biggest problem with it is that all of the power is in these external events versus what do you want to do? And, and do you logically and rationally and pragmatically feel like that is a possibility that makes sense to you, given the risks that you can assess and the probabilities involved and any other research you can do is a much better upgraded way to go through life rather than having a sign dictate to you what you do or don't do um there's a lot of people that have amazing lives that have made really well-informed and sometimes lucky choices that don't have any synchronicities of any note um or you know they're not their life isn't filled with you know 11 11 on the clock or anything like that and then there's other people that have lives filled with synchronicities and Um, serendipity and things like that and their lives don't go well at all Um, they have you know um, relationships they're lacking in relationships that they desire their career isn't what they want their income isn't what they want their living situation isn't what they want so it doesn't doesn't mean what people think it means Um, but on on the other hand it's fun it's fun given how much chaos and randomness and unpredictability there is in, in your world that there are some things that's like, oh, that's fun, right? Um, but we're not into the whole number synchronicity thing that 1111 means a certain thing or 555 means a certain thing. We definitely do not believe in that. Um, no. So how would you characterize Jane with her being... Huh. <laughs> this is different yeah um, I mean the timing of that is just so good yeah it's so good 
I mean, to us, it means you living in a state of joy and receiving as much as a sense of wholeness, even with your husband on the other side. Not that you didn't have wholeness over the last two years. No. Um, but there's a there's a, a fun and joyfulness in the in the idea that hey, like you know, it's exciting, right? You're excited yeah. about it. Oh, you had an immediate sort of ah, you know, that's so good. Um, so that's a that's a positive meaning. That's not taking you away from anything else. It's not a distraction. It's a it's a further layer of excitement in your life, and that's wonderful for you to have in your life. You do have an exciting beautiful life um yeah so we would put it in a more general category than that uh, like that than a specific oh it means this and it happened here because of this and you were meant to be here or something like that we would we would sort of restrain ourselves from going down that route but it is amazing and you get to decide what it means yeah to you right yeah yeah, yeah. so you don't see a relationship or a correlation between luck Synchronicity or serendipity. They're sort of like mutually. Yeah, exclusive. they're exclusive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can have serendipity, serendipitous um, bad luck, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. um, you can have synchronistic bad luck, right? With a certain person, whenever something horrible happens, you know, like you miss the movie or oh, we missed our dinner reservation and it's always with the same person. <laughs> you see what I mean? Um, so, there is then it's more of a pattern than it is a synchronicity or a serendipity i know, i know somebody that uh i don't want to say too much because uh, i don't know what we're doing with this recording but there is somebody that i've hung out with before and every time that she I, there's something about her energy field and maybe the way that she experiences spirituality that, that she has an an interest in I want to say like the ghostly and negative kind of ghostly things. And, you know, uh, when anything kind of like, oh God, you know, what's this wave of negativity that's coming? It's always when she's there. It's really, really weird. Um, And other people have noticed it too. So there's something about her energy that is attracting or she's attracting or something. Some sort of force that is disruptive to goodness. (laughs) <laughs> and so things going smoothly. Yeah. And she's lovely. I mean, lovely inside, lovely outside. I don't know. Maybe some of us just know people like that, that they're just a bit of a black cloud. But they're but they're not being negative. There's just some sort of, like, curse, almost sort of energy around them. And it's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. What else related to this? It's a good topic. Um, maybe it's just a characterization of what you mentioned in that podcast of luck but if I if memory strikes me if I recall it the more you're sort of into the natural flow of things in the sense of being tuned in tapped into them being being present and reflecting and living your life essentially does that necessarily equate to things being easier or luck sort of visiting you more often than not? <laughs> I want to sneeze, but I'm not sneezing. Um, well, luck visiting you. I like that expression. At first, I, 
first I wasn't sure about that and then I'm like no it actually works because it is kind of like a, a, a visitor that you can't plan <laughs> um, This is why we're hesitating. Because we observe a lot of really well-intended, very divinely, you know, conscious individuals trying to get in a flow or stay in a flow or get in the flow and stay in the flow. As if they're like, I want to be in the river going with the stream or no, I'm in the stream and I'm going against the stream or I'm on the rocky shore and I'm getting crashed against the shore. There's all these senses of, uh-oh, if it's hard right now, I'm doing it wrong. I must be out of the flow. And sometimes life is just hard and there is no flow, <laughs> right? So the sense of if you feel like you're getting banged against a rocky shore, we feel like it's a wrong interpretation to say, oh, I'm out of the flow. I, I, I'm off the river. Sometimes the river doesn't go anywhere. Sometimes the river has an eddy and it just kind of swirls, spins, <laughs> right? It isn't, there's no, there's no forward momentum. So we hesitate, that's why we're hesitating. Um, but there are many people in a flow that to them may feel wonderful and it feels like there's a synchronicity and there's a serendipity and yet they're piling up debt. You know, they're they're going on every trip they want to go on. They're saying yes to everything they want to. They're everything they think the universe is offering them. And after a few years, they're like, "Well, shit! What, what have I done here? <laughs> here's the financial statement. Here's here's you know the income. How am I going to get out of this mess? Right? So flow doesn't mean flow can to sometimes can be misinterpreted as temporary like irrationality and impracticality that eventually will catch up with you in this reality. Health too, right? That, oh, I can eat whatever I want. This is a great diet. And then all of a sudden, two years later, it's like, you know, whatever health problems are starting to accumulate that weren't there. You know, two years ago when they ate a certain way that was great for them or when they did dedicate, you know, five hours a week to going to the gym or going on a hike or getting steps in or whatever. So it's, it's complicated, right, in terms of what's a good life. And then uh, the other thing we would also want to add is that, I mean, living a good life and having a joyful life and having a pleasant life is there are so many possibilities that sometimes when somebody thinks of it as being in the flow or a flow, it makes it seem like there's some predestined course to the river that you're supposed to be on. Versus it's okay to get out of the river and hike up a mountain just to see what's there. Just try something out and be dry and arid and <laughs> have to walk, you know. Um, so we just, it's not like, is it Nietzsche that said life is meant for suffering or something? It's, it's, not, it's not that life is meant for suffering, but life is also not meant to be easy. Life is not, human life especially, there's, there's not a, a mark for it to be flowing and straightforward. And if you're just in some zone, then it's like, oh, it's so easy here. That's, if somebody is in that state of bliss, we guarantee you it's temporary. But some people have luckier, seem to have luckier lives than others. They just do. But that it would to us it would be an, it would be incorrect to assume that they must be in some sort of flow. Um, 
but it is it yeah Metatron just said that one let me make it really confusing <laughs> when you are not resisting the way this reality works it can feel like a flow and that's what Jill does she's not expecting to avoid disease she's not expecting to to not age she's not expecting to never lose a loved one she's not expecting to live forever right she's not expecting to always have an, an abundance right so there's a way that that you can interact with this reality as it is and therefore be in a better state of flow the other key to it is, oh no no that's good the other key to it is not taking things personally um, especially negative things, right? When she got ran into in the parking lot, that kind of thing. She wasn't like, oh my God, what did I do? No, he literally ran into her. She was doing nothing wrong, except being in a parking lot, right? Um, so not taking bad luck personally is another great way to stay in that state of grace where things are easier. Things are made harder. And if people can think, oh, I'm out of the flow, when they are analyzing everything, everything right what was it resistance resistance yeah yeah that's okay yeah that's good yeah Yeah. so if it if there is a flow to speak of it would be a flow with what is yeah yeah so so if i and i was speaking as jill if i were resisting the fact that my heart is acting in a in a supposedly unnatural um non-statistical way then I would be resisting what is. And I would have much, probably more side effects um, and a sense of dis-ease than I do. But I'm allowing my heart to do what it's doing. And I'm saying, and my heart is doing this. Am I okay? Yes, I'm okay. Because my, my checklist of what's okay and what feels okay in my life is not the EKG. Yeah. Does that lead to another question? Or how did, how did we do explaining it? Yeah. It's complex though. Yeah. yeah. So does that mean that luck <coughs> literally is a random occurrence? Yes. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck and but she said is luck a random occurrence? Oh. <clears throat> Good luck and bad luck is a is a random occurrence. Which some people don't want to admit that there's anything random here. Yeah. And that's a that's a problem. That's resisting. <laughs> then I have a, a question. Yes, yes. Because I, I, it's it's the part about choosing before you decide to incarnate so you choose something okay uh, your parents or your date of birth yeah but yep. at the same time those are totally random yes and there's no I don't believe in predestination yes me either I say life so like you know, challenging yeah yeah see how you can but, but what Exactly. Are you choosing when you do a conscious decision and choose maybe your parents in the birth of birth, uh, not birth, uh, birth? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, are you choosing a vehicle, a vehicle that can uh, sustain the energy you're coming in, or what is it, or the kind of experience that will bring something in you? Can you give us an example of a certain person or a certain life and no, that kind I'm of thing? No, I'm just curious about okay. that concept that you choose. 
with your parents or yeah. your, your birth of your, your date of birth. Yeah. And at the same time, there's nothing that is like that. Yes. It's sort of like if you order a brand new car. And you can pick the color, you can pick the make, you can pick the model, you can pick the features, but you're not picking where it's going to go or how it's going to be driven. Right? Does that kind of... Huh? But what are you choosing in those... If you take the example of parents... Yeah. Well, think about it. You're picking your race. You're picking your genetics. Um, you're picking your wealth. At least your starting point or lack thereof. Um, you're picking whether they're educated or not you're picking whether they live in the countryside and that's sort of a country life or whether it's a very urban you know hustle bustle sort of high energy sort of existence um if you have a mother that has um, tendencies towards mental illness or father that may be an alcoholic or something you you kind of know like well okay that's gonna that could be wild <laughs> right so there are so, that's a big, that choice alone has so many components to it. Um, their tendencies, which, which you know, uh, a parent that doesn't have kids yet can say they're going to be a certain type of parent and then they're not got that kind of parent. Um, so along with the parent's birthplace and birth time, there's also the ability to see flashpoints. Um, of possible scenarios given it's sort of yeah uh, I, this is hard to describe because the future hasn't happened yet but somehow they have a way we have a way of saying okay so this is a possible scenario so you get possible flashes and you also get certain statistical um, things in like a dossier almost of okay now with this with this parents with with this birth tape this birth time there is an 80% chance that you will not live to 30. Or that there's a, uh, you know, 80% chance you'll live to 110. You know what I mean? So there's different things like that. That's what a deja vu is. A deja vu, everybody using the same language about deja vu and know what that term is. To us, a deja vu is that one of the flashes that you saw before you incarnated actually happens. It's not that you've been there before, or that it's happened before, or that there's another life related to this. It's that you actually saw a flash that happened. It doesn't mean also that, oh, I'm in the right place at the right time. Because there is no right place and right time per se. There's not one. Um, but it's like, oh, so the, that's why there's that eerie sort of uh, uh, holographic sort of familiarity with it. That's the way, like, this is really weird. But that's what that is. That's why it's so personal and so um, supernatural feeling. I mean, it's the time works in a different way, but anyway, so how specific? Yeah, so I think it's... Because I like your question. Mm, yeah, okay, well, that can be interesting. It's not... Mm -hmm. it's that, uh, because we hear a lot of people, oh, that's my purpose and what's your area. Yeah, so, okay, let's, let's take, can we, I, I feel like we should take an example, yeah. yeah. So, um, there are people I know, not through my work, but just in general, that were curious about what it was like on Earth in this timeline. Um, this person I know chose uh, very low-educated parents. They both graduated from high school, but nothing after that. Um, born in the Midwest, actually, no, born in the West, Western Pacific, 
States of the USA, fairly good income, you know, hardworking dad, um, very dramatic mother. <laughs> um, and the dad has a very, um, you know, there's no one year plan, there's no five year plan, there's no five day plan. There's just like, well, let's just see what today happens. Let's just see what happens today. There's no savings account, there's no college savings plan for this kid. Um, and when you ask him, um, this this young man now, you know, what do you uh, what do you want to do with your life? He's like, oh, I don't live my life that way. I just, you know, I'm just taking one day at a time. You know, and he's got this big old smile on his face. This kid loves people like hardly anyone I know. He is just a sensitive young man. He is a beautiful person. He loves to have fun. He works to support his family, and that's all he wants. He doesn't expect a new car probably ever in his life. Um, so his, his uh, material uh, expectations are low, and he's able to meet them. And he has a great life by his standards, right? Um, so when I look at his kind of purpose, it's, I just want to see what it's like right now on yes. Earth. Yeah, now me, right? So then when I contrast that with someone like me, that's like, okay, so Earth has got some things that are really fucked up. I want to go in and see if I can help those that are connected to their light in a more natural way, help them feel that more strongly, help them trust themselves more deeply and more uh, consistently. So I came in and it, I mean, look at how I wired myself, right? I think I'm all water signs, Pisces, uh, Scorpio and Cancer. So I just like, flow, 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 you know, it's, it's bubbling up all the time. Um, and yet I picked very conservative parents in a lot of ways, not so much my mom is actually very, they're both very socially liberal. Um, so a very stable life financially. We've never had a ton of money, but we never worried about money. And then my husband is Leo with a lot of Taurus. So I don't have to worry about a lot of things, right? There's a lot of structure in my life that's taken care of that I don't have to think about, which frees me up to do work like this, right? Um, there's a fierce sense of independence. My older sisters basically ignored me. So there's all those little factors that I can see worked perfectly. For me, then when I decided, which I do believe it was a decision, to do this kind of work was like, oh, it's perfect. Um, I don't listen to anyone else anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's a sense of kind of bullheadedness and now I, I think this is right. And I'm not, I don't mean to tell anyone what, what is right for them, but I want to be super crystal clear about what I think is right. That's my job. And how they, whether they agree or disagree is completely up to them. I don't have a judgment either way, but I have a really strong opinion either way. Um, so I guess that's one, two examples there of something different. So when I see someone that's not on their spiritual path, I'm not worried about them. I'm not thinking, oh my God, you're doing it wrong. But I don't, I mean, I think I have a, I have a very more kind of specific purpose. You guys may feel that about yourselves, that there's a bit more purpose to it. But nobody came to earth to be a lawyer. No infinite <laughs> self said, I'm going to be a lawyer. You know what I mean? So, or even a doctor necessarily. But some say, I want to, I want to help people feel better. I want to make sure I bring in aspects of healing and alchemy. But that can show up in so many different ways right? That can be a vet, that can be a psychiatrist, that can be a doctor, that can be, you know, a Reiki master. I mean, there's just so many ways. I can be a teacher um, or a mother. <laughs> How many kids? <laughs> 14 kids, you know, there's yeah. just, anyway, yeah, what else? That's good. 
Did it? Did it clarify? Did it yeah, answer? It yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's just yeah. so much freedom and possibility yeah. here. Yeah. So it's interesting that in my sessions, as all of you guys know, there's a sense of, let me help you describe what kind of car you've got here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got a classic 1950 Oldsmobile, you know, or a, a Chevy pickup that's meant to go for miles and miles down a bumpy road with no problem at all. You know, you're reliable, durable, you know, takes care of business. Or somebody like you, or a flashy Ferrari, honey, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I never use car metaphors in sessions, but I probably could, right? But yeah. then people, it's almost like they say, but where am I supposed to drive? Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, you know. It's, it's a really good metaphor. Yeah, I think it does it's work well, actually. And, and understand <laughs> yeah. without, without overthinking it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Readings by car choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the car is a choice, right? Yeah, and there's yeah. still that, even if you have the Ferrari and you're going 20 miles an hour on the interstate because you're conservative, you still have a Ferrari. And you can hide it in the garage. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly, that's so good. Man. Put it in storage. Yeah. yeah. It's in storage. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. What else? Good stuff. pickups <laughs> I think we're getting close 